All right, we're good. Okay. All right. Welcome to the Deer Vein Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Heller, and today we got a pretty sweet guest. His name's Jan Corrigan. Jan, or spelt like Jan. Didn't know what to call him at first. <laughs> but he is... Uh, Most people don't. Name. What's that? Most people don't. <laughs> yeah. Is it Jan or Yan or Jan? <laughs> yep. I do that. <laughs> but he is the, uh, he's the marketing director with Arrow Hunter Saddles. So uh, Arrow Hunter is actually uh, kind of, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Jan, but it's a subs- kind of a subsidiary or a branch of New Tribe, which is kind of an arborist, uh, a fun tree climbing company um, that just has always made saddles for a long time, just for yeah. the recreational tree climber. And over the last, well, how long have they had a saddle? I mean, they had saddle for years, like hunting saddles, and then they stopped kind of making them and now they started making them again. Uh, well, new, well, new tribe has been around since 1984, 85. Um, so they've been in business for about 35 years and they've started out on the arborist and tree climbing, the recreational tree climbing side of things out on the, on the West coast. And, you know, their brand is uh, very well regarded within the arborist community. Um, they're basically compete on a high, really high level with companies like Petzl. Um, a lot of the arborists out there actually choose the new tribe Onyx um saddle over you know the petzl sequoia or any of those uh you know other branded um specifically to arborists or whatever very well respected um they have partnerships with some with um you know Westbur arborist supply um they also work with uh august hunnicky he's uh he's kind of an arborist uh youtuber guy who's got like a huge following they actually produce a saddle for him under his uh he's got a brand called monkey beaver um which is the name <laughs> of his, well he climbs a tree like a monkey and he cuts him down like a beaver so, <laughs> so monkey calls beaver. it monkey so, beaver all right yeah it's, he's a cool dude and he's a really entertaining uh personality um and he's got a great youtube channel so if you're ever you know you're ever into uh, watching some guys like knock over some pretty massive trees uh august hunnicky is his name so um okay but, but yeah, I mean, New Tribe's been around for years, and about uh, six, seven years ago, a bunch of hunters came to the owner, Sophia Sparks, and said, hey, saddle hunting's been around for a really long time, but it, you know, the saddles that are out there are really not meeting the needs of uh, the hunting industry. Can we basically, can you guys design a tree saddle specifically for hunting? Can you knock off all of the, you know, the metal D-rings and the, you know, all the stuff's going to be clanky and loud, and, and let's create a saddle for, for uh for uh, bow hunters basically um and then they started that business and it's just baking it's just been taking off with the uh the popularity of of saddle hunting over the last few years okay sweet all right thanks for the background there uh and that makes that makes a lot of sense um one of the things just for anybody listening to this we're our tentative plan saddle hunting seems like uh, it's at least in my world, I am a saddle hunter. I've used an arrow hunter saddle for this year. I used a tethered saddle last year. Um, and I've kind of been totally enveloped in the saddle world, but it also seems like there's just a lot of information out there on them. So we'll talk about saddle hunting for a little bit. And then if you guys want to learn more about that or whatever, hit up Jan at, uh, on Instagram, what's his, what's your tag? Is it just arrow hunter tree saddles? So yeah, it's uh, Arrow Hunter Saddles on Arrow Instagram, Hunter. and obviously, yeah, it's Arrow Hunter Arrow A E R O H U N T E R Saddles uh, on Instagram. So you can, you know, I run that page basically, and I run the uh, 
Uh, I'm actually one of the co-admins on the Facebook page. So sometimes I'll answer your questions. Sometimes it'll be the designer, Casey. Sometimes it'll be our customer service people um, that answer your questions on the Facebook page. Okay. Got yeah. it. Yeah. And if you, you know, go find him there. And then if you just want to ask me about my experience with the tethered or the arrow hunter um, and stuff like that, or any other questions, uh, you can always find me at Deervane on Instagram or Facebook as well. I think yeah. my email is actually in this podcast notes. I don't know where it is, to be honest, but people have been emailing me and I don't know how they get my email, but it's somewhere in here. It's somewhere. Else. <laughs> so, <laughs> so go for it and, and just email me and ask me questions if you guys have any questions on that. But kind of, kind of, Jan, can you do an overview of saddle hunting? Like, what is it and why? Actually, let's just start with what is it and then we'll move on to why you would saddle hunt over using like a, a climber, not a, a climber or a stand and sticks. Sure. Yeah. The saddle system itself consists of three components. It's going to be the saddle, which is like a climbing harness. Uh, that the uh, that the hunter uses to ascend the tree, and then once they're cl- at to climbing height, uh, they can use a platform or a ring of steps um, to basically stand on. So it's like a mini platform uh, that's just big enough for your feet. Um, or they have this other thing called the ring of steps, which is like these like um, plastic steps that go in a ring all the way around the tree on a uh, ratchet strap that you can basically stand on. Um, and then you have your lineman's belt and your tether. Your tether hooks into a part of the harness called the bridge, which is uh, basically a um, either a climbing rope or a, um, use the, uh, what do you call it? The webbing. Oh, the webbing, thank you. The webbing, yep. uh, which is the one that I actually prefer over the, the rope um, these days because it's a little less bulky, slides through the carabiner uh, a little bit easier. But anyway, you attach your, tree tether to your bridge um, via a carabiner and basically you stand or you can either sit or lean on your platform um, and that's how you hunt Um, there's a also when you're ascending the tree very uh, via whatever climbing method you choose whether it be steps or sticks or you know other other methods you have a lineman's belt that goes uh, around the tree while you're hanging your sticks that prevents you from falling um why would you choose a saddle over a tree stand? Um, Let's hold on one second. Wait, sure. before you jump to that. Yep. Um, just for anybody, that was a pretty good description. Yeah. one of the other ways that I've described a saddle is like you have your regular safety harness and you have the two leg straps and the waist strap, right? Yep. So if, if you're trying to imagine a saddle in your head, like say you're in your car right now and you're trying to figure out what this is, it's the two leg straps plus the waist strap. And that's it. And then, you know, the kind of the shoulder straps come off. So that's what the saddle is, is just those, those two leg straps and the waist strap. And then there's like a, it's kind of like a diaper. There's, there's a fabric that goes from the outside of each of your hips and around your butt. And it like encompasses your butt. And then the bridge that he mentioned goes from kind of your left hip to your right hip on the front side and it's it's just a strap that goes across the front and that's what connects to your tether which connects you to a tree so i just wanted to throw that in there before we jumped on but yeah for sure if you if you you know if you guys want to like check out the youtube page or i'm sorry the uh instagram and the facebook page or our webpage arrowhunter.us um obviously we have uh you know many photos of our products and 
you list out all the components on those pages as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's definitely the easiest. Yeah. If you're listening to this, once you get to wherever you're going or you have a computer in front of you right now, just type in arrow hunter and you'll see exactly what it is. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's essentially what saddle hunting is. And it's, it's a way for you to not, uh, have to lug around a tree stand really, which is getting into the why. So Jan, I want to hear, I, 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 for me personally, like the why goes for mobility, weight, the speed and ease of use, how quiet it is and how packable it is. Those are the five things that I really Absolutely. like about it. Absolutely. Those are, uh, those are, you know, all the same reasons that I, uh, decided to go with a tree saddle over a tree stand as well. I mean, look, you know, I've been hunting for, you know, I hunted when I was younger, but probably seriously for the last, I don't know, 10 years. Um, you know, I, I was a full-time police officer, so, you know, I have family as well. So, uh, but the last five years, uh, very seriously, and I was in mobile hunting on public land. So, I did what everybody else does. And we, you know, you grab a lone wolf stand or a millennium, you look, you look for the lightest weight, uh, tree stand that you could find. Um, then you would pack it in with your backpack and your bow and your climbing sticks and your, um, full body harness and your, your tether. And you'd walk a mile back in with all that on your back and you, you know, look for the freshest sign and then you, you'd hang and hunt basically you'd set up your, your tree stand. Um, well I'm 45 years old and you know, I look good for 45 still, <laughs> But, uh, but my, uh, but you know, my back starts to hurt. I'm a police officer. So we all have bad backs and wear body armor and belts and, you know, hauling in what close to 15 to 20 pounds worth of gear, uh, to get up a tree a mile and a half back in the marshes that we hunt here. As you know, that's, uh, that can be pretty grueling. Um, and I was just looking for a lighter way to do things basically. And, and I read about tree saddles and I'm like, that is absolutely the way it's the packability the mobility the uh ability to set them up and tear them down um you know quickly if if you have, if you're hanging and hunting and you see deer movement 100 yards away you can tear that down in five minutes and get over there and set it back up in, in just about the same amount of time and get closer to where the the travel routes are um you know the other awesome factor with tree saddles as opposed to tree stands is the fact that you're attached to the tree the entire way up the tree um you are basically wearing your safety harness the entire time so when you're setting your sticks you're attached to the tree via your lineman's belt once you get to hunting height and you have your platform set you hang your tether um, and then you clip into that and then you undo your lineman's belt so basically at no point are you ever off of your uh your life safety lines um which is you know that that uh, with the tree stands you have to unclip from your lineman's belt to get around the tree stand to step in and mostly uh that's when accidents happen from the statistics that i've read when you're getting in or getting out of your stand is when accidents happen mainly in tree stands so um you know that's another another factor um that uh that's a great thing so it's that lightweight that safety uh that portability the uh the ability to be quiet so basically the only thing sticking out in your backpack are your sticks and you can usually wrap your jacket around those it kind of quiets everything down you don't have that big tree stand sticking out um so those are all all the factors why i went to a tree saddle and why i think a lot of guys um over the course of the last three to five years have you know basically set their stands aside and are going to tree saddles i mean we've got such an overwhelming response 
the last couple of years with guys getting into the saddle game. Um, I think that uh, people see the the value of all the things that we just mentioned. Yeah, no, that makes that makes great sense. Yeah, as far as the mobility goes, the reason or so I switched for all those reasons as well. You know, I was going a mile and a half back with a lone wolf stand and uh, four lone wolf sticks. And uh, in just over time, you know, if you're doing that, you know, I'm only uh, 29 years old. And if I do that three, four days a week, you know, fifth day, I'm like, man, this kind of sucks. Sixth day, I'm like, I really don't want to go too far, you know. Um, So having that tree saddle for me personally, a lot of people will just wear them in. I don't wear mine in. Uh, I will pack it up, but it packs down to about about the size of a softball, really. And then you just put it in your backpack. And like Jan said, you just have to then you just have your climbing sticks that are just hanging out or doing whatever. And um, and then you're good to go. You know, it's not like you're you're hauling in, you know, a tree stand itself is 13 pounds. And then each stick is three, four pounds. So, yeah, like, I mean, you're talking 25 pounds and you're going down from that to about just what the sticks weigh, which is only 12 pounds. And then the other big thing is walking through these swamps that we hunt in, or even if you're walking through any thick brush at all, you know exactly what I'm talking about when you're going through and your tree stand gets hooked on some branches and you can't get through. And then you got to break the branches or you got to back up or whatever it is. And you're like, man, I, this was like the close bedding area or whatever. And now I'm making all this noise. Well, if you put the saddle in your pocket, you remove that obstacle. You know, you don't, yeah, you don't run sure. into that anymore, which is awesome. You know, and then, uh, like Jan said, it's, it's quick, it's quiet. Like you just got to hang your, hang your sticks and then you're pretty much in. You don't got to spend, uh, you know, 10 minutes trying to wrap some straps around a tree and then using a ratchet strap, which can be loud, you know, the click, 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 or even the pull tight strap and not being fully secure. And Jan mentioned, you know, using a platform with his saddle. I personally don't use a platform. I just stand on the top of my last stick. And that gives me, uh, A, I don't have to spend the money, like the $200 on a platform, but B, it gives me a little lighter weight and a quicker setup. And it's not as comfortable, 100%. Like, I mean, that out on a limb platform that you have, Jan, that thing's yeah. pretty sweet. Um, yeah, I like it a lot. I just uh, I just haven't wanted to drop the money on it yet. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, the thing about the platform, you know, I have, a, I, have a, I have a love-hate relationship with the platform. I mean, the platforms are very comfortable uh, for longer sits, but, you know, again, you're, you're packing in more weight and more bulk at that point too. Cause like, you know, with my, with my sticks and my extra gear and my camera equipment, and then, then a platform, your, you know, it, your packets, <laughs> your packets, you know, uh, you know, back to heavy again, uh, obviously it's still right. less heavy than, you know, pa- packing in all that stuff plus a tree stand. Um, so you're still, you're still winning there. Um, but you know, I think, that stick method is a lot of what uh, a lot of my other friends that hunt with saddles do the same thing as well. Um, and that's a nice, efficient way um, and a less bulky way, especially if you have those sticks with a double step on top. Um, that's a good way to do it. So, um, you know, actually, I, I did that a couple of times my uh, myself with just one, the one lone wolf. So I just basically hung there on that because um, I got kind of sick of carrying the, uh, the platform in. But um, for 
being comfortable and being able to move around a little bit more and get that offside shot with that platform is a great thing. Um, you know, another thing yeah. I wanted to mention real quick because is the type of trees that you can get in. Um, oh yeah, for saddle. sure. Yeah. I don't know if you have, have, I mean, you've had some experience with different kinds of trees. Um, yeah, you bet. What, what do you think about that? Um, oh, thanks for throwing a question my way, man. Appreciate yeah, it. Sure. Right, right <laughs> back at you. Um, no, that is, that is huge because, um, you, you know, uh, staying in sticks or even a climber, like a climber, the problem with climbers that I have is a lot of the trees that I hunt or hunt out of or in my area aren't clean, naked, straight trees, which is what you need for a climber. And in Wisconsin on public land, you're not allowed to trim branches or anything. So, you know, if it's not straight and naked already, you can't go up it. So I kind of nixed the climber right away because it just limited me so much. And then after that, I went to the sand and sticks. And, uh, you know, if you got a lean in a tree, either left, right, back, forward, you know, a slight back lean is awesome because it's almost like being in a recliner if you're in a tree yep. stand. But anything <laughs> aside from that, you, you can't really get into it because you, got, you just have no chance because the, yeah. the stand doesn't sit right. But with a saddle... Yeah, you can hop right in there. Like it's not a problem. You just you just strap in and stand on your stand on the top stick and you're good. It's not a problem with it. Yeah, that's made me, that was my experience too, especially with the uh, I had a climber and then I went to the hang on stands, which I liked that I like the hang on stands better for the reason that you said that you know if it wasn't a clean tree with the hang with the uh, climber, there's no way you know no way you're getting out up up with it with a climber. Right. So I got rid of that right away. <laughs> went to the lone wolf the same thing you know if you you're in a tree that leans forward and you're on that forward lean you're basically like pitched forward in your stand and i i sat a couple of sits because that was the only tree available and that that was a not a good feeling because you felt you're gonna just like literally like fall out of your stand the entire right. time and with, <clears throat> yeah, with the tree saddle yeah with the tree saddle you can just forward backward you know lean you just basically um you know set your set your sticks and get up there and then you've got that tether, which is infinitely adjustable. And if you're, you're doing a ring of steps or even these platforms on leaning trees actually work pretty well, uh, I found. So, you know, that may, they might pitch up a little bit, but that doesn't really uh, affect how you stand in it all day. And plus the weight of your body usually forces it uh, to a level, um, you know, being able to stand on it pretty level anyway. So, um, and then the diameter trees, I, I've, I've climbed some pretty, um, smaller diameter, uh, trees and hung from those because yeah, that's the only sure. thing available out there. And that, you know, and that's, uh, that's an awesome thing too. I mean, you know, most, most of the time I wind up getting picked off by a dome, those tiny trees like that, but, um, you know, but it is, if At that's the only thing you got out there, yeah, yeah, it's an option. Right. Right. Yeah. And then the other, the other thing that I've noticed too, as well is like, sometimes you get into a tree and it's like the perfect tree but the branches are too close together or they're too thick or, you know, there's like good gnarly oak trees. Like there's always knobs in them all the time. Yep. And sometimes your tree stand won't sit like level because you need that tree to be level or at least flat for, yeah. you know, whatever the two feet of that bar is the stem of the yep. tree stand. And uh, sometimes it's a great tree, but you just can't get it level on there. And with a saddle, you need you know, the inch thickness of the rope. And, and even then, like you don't, it doesn't have to be level at all or anything. You just got to wrap around the tree. So yeah. that is another, another thing. And I've been able to, there was 
two trees that I had known about and wanted to get into for a long time. I could climb them and get into them, but I couldn't set up a tree stand in them. And now I can actually hunt out of them with a saddle. So nice. that's, that's super nice. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, like my thought is like a climber will get you into like 40% of trees out there. Uh, standing sticks will get you into like 80% of trees and a saddle will get you into, you know, a hundred percent of trees. Like, For sure. It, yeah, there's nothing that a saddle. I won't. I don't want to say nothing, but there's. I mean, it's gonna get you like 99 percent of the trees. Well, I haven't seen some of these guys like hunting out of like pine trees with a with the limbs that are really like close together, you know. Um, and they they got yeah. got themselves a little, a little, you know, a couple of feet where they can hang and and peek out of those, and they're even getting into those. So I mean, some of these trees that guys are getting into are 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 pretty amazing. Um, you know, stuff that I haven't even considered yet. So, um, I got a plug you actually he just <laughs> yeah. invited me and he's got a bunch of pine trees on his property. He wants me to get rid of some of uh, a couple of does on his property out here in Waukesha County. So I think I'm going to take them up and see how that goes. Just, uh, oh, yeah. try, it, try it as an experiment. So <laughs> for sure. Yeah, no. And I, I, I mean, if I can ever get into pine trees, I do all the time. And it's mainly because I feel like the pine scent, like the needles cover up your scent a lot. And yeah, great all the pine branches and everything just give you a ton of cover. For sure. So that it just covers cover. up your movement. Yeah, that cover. And yeah, I mean, I if I can get into a pine or a cedar, I'm getting into it all day. Um, okay, so that's kind of all I kind of have for saddle hunting. Is there anything else you wanted to add about saddle hunting? That's kind of the overview that I wanted to cover. Um... You know, the one thing about saddle hunting that I think that I, you know, I kind of want to address a little bit is a lot, there's a lot of information out there um, and a lot of people sharing opinions. And I guess my thing would be is do your research with, um, you know, with, with vetted um, companies, with knowledgeable people, um, just because, you know, some guy on one of the forums or one of the internet is giving advice doesn't mean it's right or safe. Um, you know, and the, the, the cool <laughs> yeah. thing about saddle hunting and DIY, you know, is the whole DIY aspect to it. And guys like, yeah, the mod, you know, the modification. Yeah. yeah. And you, and you know, and you and I are those guys, you know, we like yeah, to do that stuff, sure. too, but you know, you're, you're talking about a piece of life safety equipment and, you know, our saddles are all rated. Uh, we use rated equipment. We've, uh, you know, you know, the, the harness structure on those things have been, has been tested and, um, you know, rated for, you know, for years. Um, so basically, basically do your research, look at companies like Arrow Hunter that have a 35 year history. Look at the art, look at, you know, look at stuff that's put out there by guys in the arborist world. who really have a deep understanding and knowledge of like knots and gear and, and tree climbing because you're, you're talking about you're talking about your life and you're talking about a piece of life safety equipment and i you know personally i think it should be considered and treated as as such um and just basically consider your sources on some of the information that's being put right. out there so what what jan's trying to say but he can't technically say is that there's a bunch of people on the forums who do major modifications to saddles and they do them to all saddles the tethered saddles the trophy line saddles uh, the arrow hunter saddles and before you you know just start out doing this if you're just starting to do this 
don't go and make a ton of modifications. Hunt out of it for a year, two years, three years, because some of these mods are great and they're fantastic and you're going to love them, but some of them weaken the structure of the saddle themselves. And if you're taking advice from somebody who's who's not an engineer who's designed this and who's not rating it, they're just like, oh, I've used it a couple times and it seems to work. Like personally, that's not good enough for me because when you're hanging out of that tree in a saddle, that's what you're hanging by. And I'm not willing to put my life on the line for to shed half a pound or something and uh, and not come home that evening. So that's that's kind of what you're trying to say. Right, Jan? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, I don't want anybody, you know, we all have families. We all have kids. We all have, you know, we all want to. This is a fun. This is a you know, this is our passion. This is what we do. We go out there and we, we, we want to go, we want to hunt, hunt longer, go farther and, you know, and find, you know, those big deer, but, you know, do it safely guys. You know, I mean, I don't want anybody to like, you know, lose their life or get seriously injured and, you know, think about what you're doing. You know, there's guys who are like, Oh, I don't like the leg straps. I'm just going to cut those off because I could never fall out of the saddle. Well, you know, you can, um, and they're designed a specific way. And when you, you know, modify or cut things off, you're going to avoid the warranty and you're putting yourself at risk. So, you know, I just kind of would like to see people be a little bit more uh, thoughtful and safe about it. And, you know, guys will argue, guys will argue with you on the forums all day long about, you know, this, that, and the other thing, but um, that's just my two cents and the, and the, the stance of, uh, you know, the owners of arrow hunter, Um, you know, we want their whole thing to see, be you know creating products to keep people safe in trees they've been doing it for 35 years and and that's kind of our main focus is to keep you guys safe in trees and um you know and have a successful hunt all right yeah no that's a good that's a very important point to bring up because like he said one of the big things with saddle hunters is the diy and the mods like modifications are everywhere for these things i mean on all your climbing methods on your saddles themselves Yeah, every aspect, everything, every aspect. So, but that brings up another point that I want to just touch on was, uh, a climbing method. So what we've, what Jan and I have talked about recently is the climbing sticks. So I used lone wolf for a little bit. Jan used lone wolf. I used, uh, I have switched to the muddy pro sticks, which uh, I just bought. (laughs) Did you, you got a set? I got a set of them used. Yeah. Oh Yeah. So yeah, they're 160 bucks used, but the reason you buy that, the reason I wanted them and, uh, I think they're probably the, one of the better sticks in the industry right now is a, they have two steps per like foothold. So the lone wolves only have one on each side. So a lone wolf stick will be like three feet long and then they'll have one, one foot on the left, one foot on the right, one foot on the left. And that's it. Whereas the muddy sticks, they're only two feet long. And they have two steps on the on the top and two steps on the bottom. So when you get up to the top of the tree where you want to stand, you can actually just stand on that top stick and you get two steps. Yep. And then also, like they're not like when you're climbing down the tree, you don't have to alternate steps if you don't want to. Yeah. If there's some branch that's in the way or whatever, you can you just have two steps. So I switched to those muddy pro sticks because they have two steps per per section and then also they're only two feet long so they pack in really nice and easy and to me getting getting up either 17 feet or 15 feet it doesn't make much of a difference agreed you know yeah Yeah, and you made those mods i mean when you were running the lone wolves you you cut them down to you know two feet 
Yeah. And Which then, is uh, how I even started looking. I saw yours. I was like, man, those are nice because they're just so packable then. They, they were. And that was the thing. I had those when they were three feet, they were catching on things and they were making noise. And I was like, you know, the every, guys were doing the mods on them. So I was like, I like that smaller profile where it just basically is the size of your backpack and it doesn't catch on anything. Yeah. Um, you know, I love my lone wolf sticks. They're a little lighter than the muddies, but, um, I'll tell you what, I had an incident the, uh, a couple of weeks ago where I was going up a tree is only two sticks high. And my, uh, my second stick pit, uh, pitched out from underneath me. And I took a, I took a, it wasn't a fall per se, but it was, you know, I went pitching off the stick and then my, uh, Lyman's belt caught me and I was just sort of hanging there for a second. And, uh, it's that one step on those lone wolf sticks. Like, you know, I, I you know, so you have that uneven pressure and the bottom kicked out on it. And, you know, there I was. So um, mm-hmm. it's a perfect example of why you should wear that lineman's belt that, and have that safety. Um, and I, I was like, you know what, it's kind of, you know, the, with, the, with the gear that I take up the tree, the backpack, the, the uh, camera arm, the cameras, because, um, you know, I'm doing a lot of filming for Arrow Hunter now. Um, and you know, my, my bow and all my other hunting gear, it's like, I need that double step because it's just a little safer. Um, it just keeps that center of gravity on those sticks. Like, you know, you, both of your feet on that are on that one step. So they're not going to pitch out in one direction. Um, like I had with that lone wolf. Mm -hmm. Um, and I like, and I like the, you know, I like the rope modification that they have with those, um, Oh, the AM steel. Um, Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I do like those, no, I'm talking about the muddy ropes that, that come with. Them. Oh, oh, the muddy, yeah. The muddy pro sticks. So yeah. with a typical tree stick, like the lone wolves or the hawk heliums, which I got to mention, yeah. and then the muddy pro, the, or with the hawk heliums and the lone wolves, uh, it's that pull, it's a pull tight strap. It's like a cam strap. So yeah. you just have two loops, you loop one around and then you pull it tight. Whereas the muddy pro stick, it has like. What, they're just like two cams that like clamp down together and you just literally wrap a rope around the tree and then you push them, push that rope between these cams and then it just locks it in there. Super and it's nice. pretty like you just got, I mean, that's another thing you got to YouTube just because it's, it's really slick and it makes the reason I chose sticks and I'm sure this is the reason you chose them too, Jan, is because they're just fast. You can get up a tree and be set with a saddle in ten minutes or less if yeah. you're if you know what you're doing. I mean, it's really quick to get set up. It's not, you know, I've had friends come come out with me who don't hang and hunt often, and I'll set up a tree. I'll be set up in my saddle in ten minutes, and they'll be like, "Dude, the last time I hung a tree stand, it took me like forty five minutes." <laughs> you know and even with yeah right and you just you get good at it over time but even with like my uh my lone wolf system you know i was hanging that thing in 20 minutes or less every time and uh because you just you just hang it so much you start to figure out all the little tips and everything all the little tricks that you can do to make it faster yeah you know and a lot of guys are putting you know uh like those plastic carabiners on their tree saddles in the molly uh webbing and then they'll basically uh tie a tie a like paracord loop around their sticks and they'll hang those off and basically you just go up the tree in one go you know yeah your sticks hanging off and as you go up you just pull them off and hang them and then pull your bow up and you know hang your pack and you're ready to hunt like you said in in, you know 10 five to 10 minutes um and it's just it's just doing the reps on that um like 
Jason that we just hunted with. He's yeah. new to the he's new to the hanging hunt and he's new to the tree saddle world. He he is so he's so excited about this is so quick and easy to get up a tree because he's just used to setting like you know um, just regular tree stands like even the the ladder stands as well. Um, and yeah. you know he, he had a he had a hanger as well, but it, it took him the you know, always took him like 40 minutes to hang these things. So, um, <laughs> yeah. he's super stoked on the, the portability, the packability and the, um, you know, the quick setup on these. Yeah. You know, my family, so any of the listeners who've been listening, but my family bought a hundred acres this year. Um, it's been a project that we've wanted for the last like 15 years is trying to find land. And we finally found a piece. Um, but I have hung, it's 100 acres and I have hung two tree stands the entire t- this entire season. We bought the property in, at the end of August and uh, and so I haven't had much time to hunt it. But my problem was is like I don't want to go hang 10 tree stands and have them all be in the wrong spot because right. that's the that's the problem is like with those ladder stands and things you go and hang them. And you're like, oh, man, I'm 30 yards from where I need to be. Or whatever. I don't know this property. I don't know what's going on. I don't know where the deer are. I don't know anything right. about it. Right. So why don't I just be as mobile as possible? So I've hunted there, I think, just over 20. I've had just over 20 sits now. And two of them have been, three of them have been in tree stands. The other 17 sits have been out of my saddle. Just because I'm trying to just figure out the property. Yep. And, you know. and that's been, and I've been following your Instagram stories on, on how you've been doing that. And that, you know, it's a perfect example. You'll, you'll do your one sit where in, in a spot where you got the sign and it looks good. And then you'll sit there and you'll see movement someplace else. And then the next sit you're sitting over in that spot where you saw the movement, right? That's, that's, right. that's been your, your experience on that property this year. Yeah. It's just been, <laughs> it's like, I see the movement 30 yards away. So I moved 30 yards away and then they were where I was the next time. <laughs> it's like this ridiculous game of cat and mouse and then the next time i go out there the wind's different so i can't sit in the same spot so then you know i'm kind of done and i've only been able to really hunt weekends this year just because i got a nine month old and the week's just crazy for me so then i gotta wait you know i get two sits and then i gotta wait five days and and when you're hunting whitetails i mean hunting one week can make a hell of a difference in how they move especially between mid-October and mid-November, like they can move totally different patterns within that month. And that's when I really started hunting. So it's just kind of like trying to figure that whole thing out and trying to figure out all these different spots and just staying as mobile as I can and just moving and moving and moving. Um, well, yeah, yeah. Patterns and behavior change, what, every two to three weeks this time of year? Yeah. I mean, during the rut. Yeah. And yep. the the, you know, your transit transitioning during that time frame from early season patterns of just, you know, bed, water, food to pre-rut, which is, okay, I'm going to go bed, water, scrapes, make some rubs, maybe check on some does. And then, which changes things up. And then, you know, I posted that picture last night, you know, I had a, I had a really nice eight point, probably 130, 140 inch eight point that was just really thick and massive. And he was showing up in one area every four to five days and then he just disappeared. I haven't seen any, I haven't seen him since October 12th. Right. He's just gone, right. you know? And so like their behavior just changes so much. So I'm trying to figure this out and I get two sits on the weekends, you know, Saturday or yeah. like I'll, maybe I'll get a Friday night if I can get out of work early, but generally it's a Saturday yeah. night, Sunday night. And then I got to wait five days to get back down there. 
And yeah, it's just, and then I got, you know, one weekend I have a West wind, the next weekend I have an East wind and then the next I got a Southwest and it's, yeah, it's just, it's been tough, but, uh, but I mean, I will say regardless of if you're using a a climbing uh, or a climber, a stand and sticks or a saddle, like being mobile when you're hunting a new property is so key and not going like it, it, you're going to, you're more than likely going to lose if you just go to the same spot all the time. Like you got to keep, well, then you're, pre- you're going to pressure over pressure those spots, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's, and that's sure. going to drive deer away from those areas too. So you're going to get your mm-hmm. scent in there. You're, they're going to, you know, they have that, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not surmising. I know what a deer, to know what a deer thinks, but they just have that sense of, you know, a, a human's been in this area too much and then they just start avoiding those areas. Right. Yeah. And the other thing is I've had one friend who always hunts the same tree and I'm like, man, you know, and he does all right. Every year he shoots, you know, a one and a half year old buck or a two and a half year old buck. He's never really getting into the bigger guys, but those one and a half and two and a halfs are fine for him. And I'm totally cool with that too. If like that trips your trigger, go for it. But he had one weekend where a dude was getting to that spot and the dude was getting there at like 5 a.m. And both days he showed up at like 515 and he's like, crap, someone's in my spot again, you know? And yeah. so he can't go there. And yeah. now he doesn't have, pl- he doesn't have a plan B, you know? Wow. So just making yeah. sure that, you, right. I know. And I've been telling him to have a plan B for forever. And he's like, a, oh no, I just, I, B, I, this is where I go. Right. Yeah. You got to have a plan A for Z, man. Especially on public lands. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, and for him, you know, he's just, he knew where that tree was and it was perfect for his climber and everything. And now he's like, well, it's in the, I'm in the dark. I don't know where to go. I don't know what tree's going to work for me. And he's just, his hunt's kind of screwed up, you know, yeah. at that point. So having all those multiple plans and multiple spots is really going to help you out. Uh, which is a great lead in actually great sure. transition to, uh, talking about kind of, I want to hear about your season. How'd your early season go? Uh, mid season, I know early, uh, you hunted with me opening weekend and we saw some deer. Yeah. Yeah, uh, we did. yeah that was I'm a spot we'd never too. been to. We just kind of dipped yeah. in there and had you, how far were we set up? Probably 30 yards apart, 20 yards. Yeah. 30 yards. yeah, probably yeah. About 30, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And we had a couple does come probably within six yards of me. I was like they just snuck out of nowhere. We were hunting the edge of this. Uh, we were hunting Oak Island out in a swamp, yeah. and we were hunting on yeah. the edge of the cattails and where the ground gets higher and it becomes kind of oak trees and more solid ground. We were expecting the deer to come from the swamp, and they didn't. They came from the Oak Island, and all of a sudden they were just. I think I saw them when I saw them. They're at like 15 yards. They're just there. Yeah, they just appear. They just appear. They came down off that ridge down into that lower section to kind of move out through that oak flat um, that was kind of bordered on that uh, that marsh um, area where we thought we were they were going to come. And yeah, they just snuck up on you. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was opening weekend. I hunted with you, and then you were doing a bunch of stuff with the Rexbid guys. Yeah, you know, I met uh, Kurt, who's a uh, Rexbid, uh, um, basically, he, he's in a, what, are they, what do you call those guys, not an influencer, but a uh, Sales rep? ambassador. Oh, yeah, ambassador. So, yeah, like ambassador or, um, uh, you know, uh, not a pro staff guy, uh, what do they call him? Um, ambassador, yeah, basically, that's what it is. 
Um, and then he, uh, you know, I got, I got to develop a relationship with him. He invited me to come out and uh, do some filming with him on some of his uh, private properties that he has permission on um, around where he lives. And it's a good dude. And, you know, we saw a lot of stuff. He, he let me hunt, uh, uh, you know, film some stuff. Let me let me do some hunts as well. Uh, we saw a lot of deer uh, early season. Uh, but of course, they were always like right at dark um, and they were always about 75 to 100 yards away. Uh, so I never got any um you know got anything close uh, i've had a couple of encounters with you know uh, um, a year old um like you know three encounters with year old bucks that were just you know forks tiny little six points or, or four points you know that not not anything i was interested in shooting so um that's pretty much been my season you know went up to vernon county for a few days and hunted richland center uh really didn't see a whole lot of deer there um we had a a little fork buck walked about 10 yards and, you know, and stopped right in my shooting lane, which is, you know, he's just like begging me to shoot him. But, you know, again, I, I passed on him. I saw a lot of sign <laughs> out there, uh, but uh, you came out one morning and, and froze with us. So uh, yeah, that night that. was that's the coldest <laughs> night so far, for sure. Five degrees. Got down. I wish we had that wood stove in that tent. Cause those buddy heaters were not doing it. Um, yeah. No, that, that was, was a good night, man. Yeah, that was a good time. Um, but I was just so like, oh, like cold and tired, and oh man. Um, and, you know, I was coming off a uh, you know a work week too, so I was just kind of a, mm-hmm. a grueling week of hunting. Um, and then some guys were seeing movement, not a uh, you know other guys were not. One of the guys that we were hunting, the guys from the the Boga podcast, they were there, and um, you know they shot a shot a nice little eight point um and then there were some other guys that shot some deer and then we barely saw any uh, a lot of sign a lot of hiking ridges in uh vernon county um yeah you know what's funny is that i had a dude i had a dude instagram message me the day like two days after i was done hunting with you and he said hey have you ever hunted this piece over in vernon county and i was like uh i was just there (laughs) (laughs) and he sends me he sends me this map and it's pretty crazy he sends me you know he sends me an onyx map and he's like hey man where would you i this is where i've been where would you go and uh and this is like i've given people send me stuff like that all the time and i'm happy to give my advice And I never really know what happens after I give my advice. They always just say thanks. And that's kind of like it. This dude took my advice. And I'm not saying like I'm a professional hunter by any means. I was like, you know what? If I were you, I would try to go over here, find a scrape, find some sign and see if you can sit on something over there. He goes and does it the next day and he shoots the biggest buck of his life and loses it. (laughs) No. Yeah, he lost it. Yeah, no, dude, he shot. He's like oh, it's the it's... biggest buck I've ever seen in my life. He goes, I had two six pointers come through. I had an eight pointer, and then I had the biggest buck I've ever seen. Shot it, and I think I shot it in no man's land. And I was like, oh, no, no way, dude. He's like, yeah, I tracked it for three quarters of a mile, and then lost blood. And I'm like, oh, oh man, oh heartbreaking, right? Oh. Yeah, I know, and it's but crazy. I mean, that's... Like, that's that that's that piece though i mean that piece that we were on i you know you could like you could see nothing and then one day you could see uh you know the biggest non-typical buck you've ever seen like 
it's just a really nice piece that has so many little gems and hidden corners in it that you would never know. Yeah. And you know where I told him the type of area I told him to go, it's, it's kind of a hilly area in Vernon County anyway, but, uh, you, he went, there was like a Y where the stream bed came up and then wide and there was big ridges there. So I told him to just go, go walk all those ridges and find the sign. Um, you know, drop, you start in the North, drop down into the Creek bed, go up on that in the middle of the Y and then go down to the other side. And as soon as you start seeing good sign, just stop. And he stopped right away. He saw a good sign on the first ridge. So he's like, I'm just going to set up right here. And off to his West was, he's expecting the deer to come from the East to the West, which is the same direction of the stream flow. And then off to his west, like 200 yards, was a was ag fields, which is exactly what we okay. were hunting there too. You know, like yes, we were exactly. hunting. Those, there were a bunch of ag fields on public, and uh, we were hunting those edges. And that buck, all those deer were going out to that cornfield, but he had put himself back in the woods far enough that he was still catching them during daylight hours. Yeah, but see, anyway. that's what I think we made the mistake is we crossed that that night that day you left and we. That that morning you left, we went back into that spot, crossed that creek, um, and then got over to the other side. We started seeing some more signs, some scrapes, and some uh, some rubs over there. But we didn't want to. It was getting later in the afternoon, and we didn't want to push in too far. Um, and we set up, um, and I saw one come down, one come down off the ridge, but then he lost him, and then it didn't. I don't know what happened. It spooked and went running back up the ridge. I don't know if it caught movement didn't blow but then i saw it just running back up one of the ridges so i think if we had pushed back in there a little bit further um that would have been the ticket but you know we we stopped uh pretty close to the creek we didn't want to push too far back in so um that's that's definitely good advice yeah yeah it's always a game of how aggressive can you get you know what can you get away with and every scenario is different so it's hard to know like where how far you can push back like that's always the question is how you know how far can i get off this egg field before i bump them you know and you don't want to bump them right i I think one of the smart tactics that i've like kind of picked up on and you know and i think that you know guys like the hunting public do it as well is is basically you you hunt it in in sec in steps like you you go in a little bit and then you go farther and farther and farther and you you kind of hunt they call it hunting your way in, um and I think that's just the way to do it you know I think if I had gone back there, the next night to that same spot and pushed back a little bit farther we might have seen and we might have seen sure. something good so obviously I got that pin on my map and you know I just need to bring like you know um higher higher boots next time just to get across that <laughs> creek or whatever. Um, but actually, and you know what? The garbage bag method worked great. So Yeah, uh, yeah. So Jan and I were debating, like, I had a pair of muck boots, but he didn't. Yeah. And I was like, well, do you want to borrow mine? And he's like, I don't know, and blah, blah, blah. And we were just kicking it around back and forth. And he was hunting with his buddy Jason, too. And Jason was like, oh, I'm fine. I got I got knee highs. I'm good. You know, and this crick was, how deep was it? Probably like eight inches, nine inches. Oh, yeah. It was, a, it was. It came up like mid calf, so I mean it was over. I think it was a little over twelve, you know, okay. a little bit over twelve inches, but yeah, still well was... within knee high boot range. Right. Yeah. So so we kicked around that idea, and I was like, you know what? Just grab some garbage bags. 
<laughs> that's and, what and that's, what, that's doing. what I did. <laughs> <laughs> There's and, always and a way. Jason, Jason to... is a giant man too. He's probably how yeah. he's six six, like three two two hundred and sixty pounds, something like that. He's a yeah, big two two sixty two seventy. Yeah, he's a big dude. Yeah, and I was like, yeah. I was like, hey Jason, why don't you just pick Jan up and carry him? <laughs> he's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Piggyback me across the creek. Right. Oh yeah, right. Which is so another good pinch. point actually for the yeah. saddles. Is like a saddle can even support a guy that size. Yeah, you know, he's, like Jason yeah, was in a saddle yeah. too. I've had a couple guys message me like, "Will they hold, hold bigger, bigger guys?" And I'm like, "If they hold Jason, they'll probably hold you." <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you know, with our saddles too. I mean, we have a, you know, it's a five thousand pound brake strength on the saddle, and then like, you know, a five hundred pound working load. Uh, but you know, we've had some guys in the, you know, up in the three hundreds that are hunting out of them. Um, and, and they, and they, and they, and they work and they, and they, they do it well. So you get a lot of questions about, you know, well, I'm a bigger guy. I'm a trophy size dude. Uh, was one of the comments <laughs> that I heard, um, <laughs> a trophy size dude. And I like that. And, yeah, uh, you know, he gave, gave his measurements and it's like, yeah, absolutely. That'll work for you. Um, Kurt's uh i think is his cousin or how he's related to ryan ramchuk who's a lineman for the new orleans saints and he's a big dude oh um, okay. so we're trying to get we're trying to get him into one too he's he's in the you know he's like six four and you know he's in the upper 200s like 280 290 um so we're trying <laughs> to get him into one but saddles can definitely support bigger guys and they can support you comfortably especially with all the adjustments that the air hunter saddles have with uh expandable seat and the flex and the uh the adjustable bridge um you know it's uh you know that's one of those things where you get all day comfort and you've had experience to the to that one morning with the uh the late season clothing is another question oh yeah does bulky clothing does bulky clothing affect the comfort factor of a saddle and i i would say no uh i was super comfortable all day you know i hunted that that whole week up there um in vernon and it was pretty pretty uh in vernon county it was pretty cold and I was wearing my, uh, you know, my Sitka, you know, fanatic bibs and jacket, and that's pretty bulky stuff with that fleet stopper. And I was super comfortable in my saddle. Yeah, no, and I have, I don't have anything as nice as the Sitka stuff, but uh, I do have some phenomenal garage sale buys that are nice and bulky as well that I was wearing, and I didn't, yeah. I didn't have any issues with it. No, I mean, yeah. I mean, you, yeah, you can layer on it. My question was, who's going to make a pair of bibs that has a slot in it for the bridge of a saddle? Someone's going to make yeah, that at some point. For... Someone's just going to cut one oh. in. Well, I think you're going to start seeing, like, you know, the saddle companies, you know, start developing more, like, accessory-type uh, products for, for saddle hunters as well. And, you know, who knows? I mean, somebody might get into the apparel game for saddle hunting as well. I mean, that seems to be, a, you know, hunters in general are always looking for the latest, greatest, sentry, warmest, you know, different camo mm -hmm. uh, type of thing. I know, I know we're working on some little... Uh, backpacks that can uh you know attach you know that you can kind of match to your saddle and that can you know um basically we're working on a backpack that you can wrap your sticks in and and, and you know do all the things that you know like a saddle hunter's backpack basically sure um, Casey that'll has be some prototypes of yeah so yeah. it'll it'll be cool and he also he came out with like, like a gear hanger and 
that type of thing as well. So, okay, sweet. Yeah. Um, so what is your moving on, moving back to deer hunting? What's your late season plan? What are you doing? Um, well, my vacations are all gone. So now, Oh I'm really? You're, done, you're out? Yeah. Do you I'm get them annually or do you accumulate? Uh, we get it. We have to actually, for my job, you have to plan. So I get five weeks. Um, um, that's what I get, but I have to plan them out a year in advance. So I can't just take vacation weeks. I I have to be like, here's the calendar. And we go through a process of seniority and we get the, you know, the calendars go around everybody on the shift picks and then it goes back around, you know? So, um, I get, you know, I usually get to pick first and I usually hunt, uh, I usually pick my deer hunting weeks first. So, uh, (laughs) yeah, I'm, I'm all out. I plan my vacations every year on deer hunting. Um, so that's, yeah, I'm out of my five weeks this, this year. So it's back to off days. So, I was going to hunt today, but I worked till 4 a.m. Um, and it's muzzle, it's muzzle loader right now. So um, I have a muzzle loader. So probably okay. going to go out tomorrow morning and maybe hunt all day tomorrow. Um, I, I just, I, I just might do the still hunt thing um, and hit a couple of spots and see what I come up with. You know, I don't know if that's a great strategy. I'm going to kind of, man, you never, yeah. You never know what's going to yeah. happen after uh, gun season, you know? Right. And, yeah, I sent you to a spot for, for that bow hunt, <laughs> and you went into <laughs> – I sent I sent Jan. He was asking me where he wanted to hunt this area, and I was like, I wouldn't go there, but I would go here if I were you. Like, yeah. it's a perfect wind. I know there's big deer in here. I've got pictures of them on cameras in here. So just yeah. go this way and follow this route and you're going to get in here. And it's kind of a, it's a swamp, but it's close to the road. So it's not a far walk by any means, but no, no, it's pretty, it's not, it can get nice. pretty hairy really quick. And uh, if you don't know where you're going and Jan clearly, <laughs> he, he made a few wrong yeah. moves and what you sunk it up sure to. Did. <laughs> uh, no knee. Yeah. I almost lost my boot. Um, in the mud and then, um, and then the marsh, it was really, I don't know if the water levels were like super high. So then I'm walking through and I'm trying to step on those little, you know, those, uh, you know, that, like the that grass, those stumps, those little clumps. Cause usually yeah. I'm sinking those, but I was just going up over my boot in those. And I was just like wet. And like, I was just, there was a little layer of ice that was just breaking through and it was just making all this noise. It was just a disaster. I lost my hat. <laughs> which your buddy later found which yeah uh, my buddy yeah so yeah jan goes man i lost a hat back in there will you go if you ever find it or anything will you let me know i was like yeah for sure a day later a friend of mine texts me he goes hey did you lose a first light hat in here i was like yep <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how that works out yeah um, exactly. and i hope he doesn't have me on camera because i was pretty pissed off that morning so uh, <laughs> no <laughs> no i know those, where you know going. it's just one of those yeah. it's just one of those things where you know it's bow hunting right so it's you right. have those humbling moments right where but, yeah you're out there and nothing's going right and you made noise and you busted something busted you and it's just like you know it is a humbling experience and you just have yeah. to be able to like suck it up and move on and be positive and be like you know tomorrow's a new day or tomorrow's a new set so Mm-hmm. Um, no what i like and, so my rule is if i'm going somewhere new in the morning i wait yeah. until it's like gray light gray and i'll light. kind of hunt yeah. my way in and yeah. uh 
and I definitely didn't a I didn't tell you to do that and b um, I didn't even think of think about the water being too high because it's never been yeah. too high for me when I've been in there and I just yeah. didn't even think about it and <laughs> then when you said that I was like oh man I bet that water came up in that marsh and it's just terrible <laughs> yeah i went in at, i went in at great light so i went in like you know it's still dark when i got there so i got to the uh, stream crossing and then uh you know i started kind of going tracing that route that you trace for me on onyx um that's why we love onyx because you can trout you can trace routes on there and, mm-hmm. and spots and i started heading out there and it was just you know it was like post hole and you know i know exactly um, what you mean when you say you're hopping those me. clumps yeah <laughs> And this, I, I was just like, this is going to, this is, I'm making way too much noise. It's light. I'm like going to blow everything out of here. So I was just like, nope, stop, turn back, you know? And then, <laughs> and then, and it was funny. And I told you like right over the, right over that section where the bridge is, where all was, where all the sign was. So there was a bunch of rubs and yeah. poop in there. There's a bunch of big tracks. So, you know, they're, yeah, that's the high ground. So they're sticking in there. Um, they're not, mm-hmm. they're not walking out there either in that, in that, in that mucky marsh. Well, I'm sure during gun season they were forced out there, but um, so so that was one of my things. So I think I'm just gonna go. It's like last couple of days of muzzleloader here. I haven't had a chance to get out because I've been working yeah. all the time because we had a little we had a little incident at uh, where I work this week. So um, you know we've been working a bunch of overtime. So I'm basically gonna get out with the muzzleloader tomorrow all day because um, I don't have any responsibilities tomorrow. Um, so I'm gonna hit probably a couple of different spots and see what I come up with. Um, yeah. And then late season, late season bow, um, I'm going to have some opportunities again on those, uh, those private properties over food, um, some food plots. So we'll see how that turns out. And then, uh, you know, I'm just going to try to go uh, back to some of my other public land spots that I haven't hit yet this year that are closer to, to ag fields and get back on that, uh, you know, that uh, bedding and that food bed pattern basically. Right, and just so trying to catch my, them. That's, that's my strategy. Eating that food. Yep. No, that makes sense. I'm in the same boat, man. That, yeah, we're in that time of year where, you know, bucks are, you know, they kind of run themselves ragged from the rut, and, you know, does are always going to go out and, and, and eat, you know. So, I mean, they're all going to be out in those cornfields but you know that's I, actually i was driving around today i went to my buddy's house up in hartford and there's a, a lot of corn still up I'm still surprised about that yeah that's one of the things i mean gun like uh wisconsin's for anybody listening wisconsin's uh gun season actually yielded a 20 opening weekend was a 27 percent reduction in kills so yep. Like last year, we killed Wisconsin hunters killed 115,000 or so deer opening weekend. This year, we only killed 90,000 deer. So massive reduction. And a lot of that is due to the weather was pretty good. I mean, I don't think it was a major issue, but a lot of it's due to the gun season was later because Thanksgiving was later in Wisconsin's gun season's always the opener is always the Saturday before Thanksgiving. So it kind of pushed it later where usually it clips the tail end of the rut. It didn't really clip that this year. And then the other reason is just with the whole wet, wet fall, like all the crops are just up, you know, deer are hanging out in that corn. They eat it, they lay in it, they stay in it and you can't kill them unless you drive them out of there. Corn forest. 
Yeah, <laughs> the corn yeah. forest. That's what my buddy, my buddy's, uh, my buddy's families. They're farmers down in East Troy, and he said the same thing. They have it. Their corn still up too, just because it's too wet. They can't get the machinery in there to, to take it down. So they, yeah. they didn't even yeah. see a lot of deer on their property. He hasn't killed anything this year yet either. So, right, yeah, it seemed super hit or miss. I had one guy tell me, um, that he saw eight deer or nine deer opening morning right away. And he saw them all run into a cornfield and they never came out and he sat there all day. <laughs> and it's like, well, I guess, you know, that's what it is. <laughs> yep. The when corn they know, forest. they know. Yeah. Yep. They, they know to hide and lay low and just sit out there. Cause we're not, I mean, I'm, you know, unless you get a bunch of guys and drive it, you're not going to see anything. So. Right. And drive. Yeah. Driving a cornfield is in my opinion, like that's a, that's a tough drive. Cause I mean, you're almost inevitably going to shoot flying. at somebody. Well, yeah, that's yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a bad strategy overall. I, I yeah. was actually making the point of where, you know, if it's like you set up on the the one end, but yeah, you're not shooting oh, into sure. a cornfield because you can't see anything. So I know that's sure. the, that's the hard part of it because, like, I know my dad as a kid used to drive cornfields with his family. And the people in the corn would have guns and like deer would get up and they'd start whipping bullets and you just don't know <laughs> no. who people are on, on the end, you know, it's just like, you know, safety you know, 60 years ago wasn't uh, too, too intense. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> he also true says too, that they never asked for permission to hunt land because all the farmers in Southwest Wisconsin just said, kill all the deer. Don't worry about it. Just go kill them. No, you know, it's no kind kidding. of how coyote hunting is now. But huh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know if that's my dad trespassing everywhere or what. <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe could be could be that. I don't know. You know, um, but uh, but yeah, different times. You know. So all right, well, well we no, just rolled well, over. No, wait, what's that? Oh, did we? Okay. Well, no, no I was ahead. just gonna talk about. No, I was just, yeah, my cousins in uh, New York, they, we own, they own a hundred and, oh, it's always 198 acres in upstate New York. Um, you get a nice little chunk of property up there. And um, a lot of the farmers up there, too, they don't care if they shoot deer on their, their uh, adjoining properties. They're just kind of like, yeah, just kill them or whatever. So sometimes they yeah. uh, just kind of sit on the edges of the property line and, and shoot them. And it's not a big deal. But, you know, other places, obviously, that's a that's a no-go. So right yeah for sure so all right well yeah like i said we just rolled over an hour um so i'm i'm good with that if you're good with that i don't don't have much else to ask you we kind of covered saddle hunting we covered i mean late season's all about food you know it's all about just finding that food source that they're using and uh and if you want to know more tell tell me about arrow hunter again where can they find you um, uh, you can find Arrow Hunter on Facebook and Instagram. Um, now that we've got more video content, we're going to kind of start uploading more of our video to YouTube as well. So look for that. And then, uh, on Instagram, it's Arrow Hunter Saddles on Facebook. It's Arrow Hunter. And then our website is arrowhunter.us. So that's where you can find us. If you have any questions, reach out to me on Facebook or Instagram. Um, we'd be happy to answer questions or help you out, um, with anything, any questions re- saddle related or safety related or related all right sounds good well thanks for joining thanks for hopping on Jan. appreciate it and for anybody listening appreciate you listening and uh if you want to find me uh it's deer vein at insta on instagram and deer vein on facebook 
And then, like I said, my email is somewhere in the show notes or something about the podcast if you want to find me. So appreciate it, guys. Catch you later.